Schofield and Company, live on the road. Double road today. Ari's in our Finley Toyota Studios. Triple road. Willie is yeah. in the middle of the strip. Is that the middle? Eh, not really. Um, yeah, kind of now. Middle from where I am. He's at T-Mobile getting ready for the hockey game tonight. BGK taking on Dallas and Cofield down here at Mandalay Bay. UNLV is taking on Seattle. A pair of games because of uh, NFR taking over the T&M. A pair of games coming up. Seattle tonight and Hartford Saturday afternoon. And good news. Do whatever you want. No vax. You can be vaxxed. You cannot be vaxxed. Come on down. Because I've seen the complaints about the vax status over at Thomas and Mac. You're welcome to come in. You got to wear a mask, but you can't have everything, right? But, uh, you know, you can come on down. Tickets are 30 to 70 bucks. It's a nice venue here. Willie's out here all the time for the Aces games. Uh, UNLV's taking on Seattle. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. All right, William. Yep. This Dallas game, we had Blessing on earlier. Blessing's like, hey, I, I can't figure out Dallas. He's like, they're, they're a mystery to him in terms of consistency. What happens? This is a much healthier VGK team than got to face Dallas back in October. It is. You know, uh, Vegas went in there. And, and, and the thing was about that game, that was on the – that was – when Vegas was struggling terribly right at the beginning of the season and everybody was concerned about them, what's going on, and, you know, and, and they hadn't had as – they had injuries, but they were still – they were just piling on. They had went into Colorado. They won 3-1. to one. You'd expect a little bit of a letdown, but they went in overtime. They ended up going on a three-game win streak, and one of those wins being the overtime victory at Dallas. Dallas, now uh, – Dallas is on a, a nice little winning run here. They're coming in on a seven-game win streak. But they struggled early on in the season. So we're talking about a couple of teams that have definitely improved their play. Dallas beat Edmonton, beat Colorado. Their goaltending has gotten incredible. They have allowed two or fewer goals during this entire seven-game win streak. Nine of uh, nine of ten wins. They're nine on a nine and one run. In the nine victories, they've allowed two or less. So their goaltending has been outstanding. Um and of course this is a this has become a little bit of a rivalry. It's not an outstanding rivalry that that we're used to hearing about, right, out of the Pacific Division. But this was the Dallas team that took the Golden Knights out in the bubble in the Western Conference final when Vegas again one of the times that they were favored to win the Western Conference. Um, so, yeah, it'll it'll be a very good hockey game. Um, Mateo and I were talking off the air. He's given me a, a, a predicted final. I don't agree with it. Based on the history of how these teams are played, based on how well Dallas has played, he says four to three nights. I say three to two nights. I think it's going to be another tight game. But... I like the way that uh, the Golden Knights are starting to get healthy. I like the way that they're, they've now been able to play with the top six. Their bottom six is, is playing some effective hockey. Um, both goaltenders have – so whoever we see, I don't. I didn't even look to see who left the ice first at morning skate. You know, that's the big deal. Um, but it'll be, a, it'll be a fun game to watch, and I think that Vegas can pull this out as long as it plays 
its game, 60 minutes of hockey, and does what it did against Calgary and, and clogging that neutral zone and really playing a physical brand of hockey because that's what Dallas is doing right now. They're keeping teams out of the offensive zone. They're limiting their offensive chances. Number four. I assume a good crowd for a Dallas game. I didn't check in or check on the get-in price. I'm not sure that there's going to be a massive crowd for the Rebels game. One, the Rebels aren't winning at a high level, which is always a turnoff for Vegas fans, um, and it's really all fans. Um, I also think that the history shows, Willie, that a lot of runner Rebel fans uh, do not like to come down to the Strip, which is sad because this is a it's a great venue here. Uh, you can come down, you know, get a little bit of dinner at Mandalay Bay or one of the other properties nearby. Uh, tickets start at 29 bucks. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes. I thought that part of the reason we were hearing was that Vax card, that you have to be vaccinated, don't go to, Mo- uh, to um, Thomas and Mac. Well, it, it, Mandalay, you don't have to be, and you don't have to get on the strip. You know, you could take I-15 to Russell, take a right, yep. go down to that first top light, take take another right, you come up Hacienda over the overpass, and in that back way to Frankston, winds around to Frank's Ranch, you come in the – into the parking garage. You don't yep. have to mess with the strip. That's what I do. There's did. not a lot of traffic because none of y'all show up anyway. It's affordable, and you don't have to be vaccinated. So if the majority of the excuses were that you have to be vaccinated, and you're not dealing with that, and you're not yeah. going to be told what to do, and you're not going to be told to get poked, well, you don't have to tonight. So if you don't want to pay a ticket price for the Golden Knights, and you want to support a local team, and you haven't seen the UNLV running Rebels, What's your excuse tonight? Oh, but we know the Vax thing is, is simply an excuse because when they did play at T-Mobile, a ton of fans did not show up, and T-Mobile has the same rules. You don't have to be vaccinated. you got to wear a mask, but Vax and unvaxxed can both get in. I'm just telling you, going back years and years and years, uh, fans haven't flocked down to the venues on the Strip. And, you know, I, I it got me thinking a little earlier when we had Alex Margulies on, right? He covers Reno for Nevada Sportsnet. And, you know, he was saying – you know, there's a lot of Reno fans right now who are pissed off that Jay Norvell looked over money to go to Colorado State and take over their football program. I want you to listen to him here talk about the support of Reno fans, and there's a there's an overarching point when it comes to college sports fans and when they complain. And then even from a community standpoint, I think it even goes beyond the university. You know, this is a, a town that unless the team is at a championship level, people don't exactly pack the building. I mean, we, we had very good crowds early in the season. As soon as Nevada lost one game, though, it gets cold out and Mackey Stadium is at half capacity. So, you know, the town isn't exactly doing much to show that they want to support a winning football team either. So, you know, people can get frustrated with him saying that, but he's not wrong. He's not saying anything that people don't already know. Yeah, Norvell talked about support in general. I think most of it was facilities and money because uh, CSU fans for football hadn't showed up either. But my whole, my whole point here is in both Reno and here in Vegas, we care mostly about Las Vegas, that if you want to complain that your local college programs aren't doing well or that they don't invest enough money into the program, like I see all the time when it comes to coaches – over the years, both the football and basketball, people will make the smart remark, you know, well, you get what you pay for. They go cheap on these coaches. You guys are part of it. The community is part of it, Willie. Yep. If you're invested in these programs, then they will have more money. It's the whole chicken and the egg thing. And But people are going to have excuses. So, I don't know. I, I, I know this. around What I see around the Mountain West Conference is that 
Uh, attendance is not good at most places. Um, and while we like to complain about, you know, group of five gets cheated on this and that, we just saw some group of fives just graduate to power five. That's another way that local fans in a lot of these markets can help the effort to become a have by showing up for games. But I'm not going to sit here and lecture people that you have to show up. But I will tell you, when you complain, you are part of it. When you complain about you are part of the budget that doesn't exist if you don't show up. I spoke to someone on the drive down here because I was listening to the interview and I um, in Reno. At this person was sitting in the library at UNR, and I asked about that. I said, "Hey, I'm just curious what the buzz is, you know, with Norvell leaving, so on and so forth." And the one thing that I was told was that the football players for the most part, are definitely devastated. They're crushed. Carson Strong upset the team, upset players, upset in just that they, he really was loved by the team. They're not even angry. They understand. And it definitely was money. Um, you know, he, he left for the for – the, for the, He they, got his salary put, tripled. He was the lowest yeah. – it's one of the more successful Lo- programs in the conference. He was the lowest paid guy. At some point, it's like, come right. on. And I did ask about the attendance. And from this person's recollection, the – and this person's a senior that the, the, didn't really notice that big of a drop off. But Alex is going to know. You know, he's going to notice in terms of covering their and attendance. So on, so, but trust the me, really, their yeah. attendance is not that good. And I, what I was shocked with is uh, the last time I was up there for uh, Alford. Right? Yeah. You know, he's taken over for Musselman. Like people got all pissed off at that, and they lost their enthusiasm. Like Steve Alford's your coach, whether you like him or not. From a personality right. standpoint, he's a good coach. And even after all the success, Muss had. People weren't showing up. So fans are fans in the state when it comes to college sports can be fickle. But understand that if you don't show up, then you can't ask for budget this, budget that. Hey, where's the money? Number three. Speaking of where's the money, and it's always nice to see all the charitable stuff going on around town. Willie, I know you tweeted out earlier that uh, Derek Englund is involved yep. in something pretty cool, along with our favorite mascot, Chance. Yeah, I saw uh, – Got that email today from the uh, from the team that he is going to be headed over to is it UMC I believe um, with chance and they do this they've done this they've been doing it since they got here um, really getting involved in the community of course it all started with the uh, you know the October one but beyond that they've always been involved in the community so Derek England. With Chance, other representatives from the team, they're going to deliver gifts to the pediatric patients at UMC. Um, a lot of these children, they spend the holiday season in the hospital, so you know they're not going to get to go home, and it's it's a rough time for 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 families. And you know, this is something that I think a lot of people, a lot of old school people, they would do. When my mom worked at UMC, you know, a friend of mine and I, we would just do it. I mean, nothing major or big, but you know, just bring coloring books and drop it off because. There are a lot of people, because that's the trauma unit also, right? The, at the time, the, like the only uh, level, whatever, trauma unit. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great outreach. It means a lot to the community. Um, Darren Waller is involved. The Raiders have been involved. They're going to be doing some charitable things. So it's the right time of year to do some things. Um, you know who just did something? And I know she doesn't want it for the publicity, but just a shout-out. We had her on Monday, Tina Wynn. And that she had reached out to me. She was like, hey, is there any place in town that you know of or a family that we can just adopt? We don't exchange gifts. My 
uh, fiance and I, da da da. We just want to adopt a family and do something right. So I put her in touch with the right people. There's a, there's a home down uh, off of East Flamingo where it's uh, teenage boys because you always hear about little kids, right? That that get the blanket driver, coat driver, shoe driver. But a lot of people forget that there's teenagers that are homeless. So there's some teenage boys, and I was told by uh, a friend of mine with the juvenile probation department that these kids, when they ask for gifts and they get gift cards, Steve like Target, Walmart, they take those $20 gift cards that they'll get randomly for donations. And you know what they go buy? The stuff that you and I probably took took for granted when uh-huh. we were kids got in our stocking. The new toothbrush, the underwear, the socks. That's what they use these gift cards for. So there's a lot of good charities out there. There's a lot of good places that people need. So if you're looking for something good to do, a little um, outreach on your own, there are plenty of places, and don't forget that there are a lot of homeless teenagers that could use, like I said, they're just looking for toiletries and underwear and socks, and that's what they're using these gift cards for. Number two. All right, Willie, Raiders trying to get off the deck 6-6, six and six, and mm. I've seen a couple of different uh, analytical sites saying their playoff chances are down to like 13%, 8%. Where are you right now? We talked about the schedule the other day and how tough it is uh, going to be to go, say, 4-1, and one, even 3-2 and two would have them. Uh, they'd be in the running, but they'd have to – well, I mean, they are going head-to-head against some other teams in the playoff race. So 3-2, and two, I think, would have them there as the seven seed. But what do you make of those numbers, 13 and 8%? By the way, you can bet yes-no on the playoffs. Right now, the Raiders bet yes-no on the playoffs. Yes is almost 6-1. to one. Yes is plus 575. The no is minus 850. Okay, so just out of pure value and knowing what the team is capable of doing, I would bet it just, you know, because it's a value number. It's like you're getting a a sharp number there. I'm not going to lay the no when they have five games left. Um, Are they going to sweep all five? Probably not. But like you said, if they go three and two and they're sitting at nine and eight, there's a good chance based on what the other teams – and them knocking each other out of playoff right. contention. And keep, so, keep in mind, Willie, every team they play, if I'm correct, is one of these teams that's competing with them right now. Right. So, you know, they've shown their potential. It's a matter of, you know, how they address these issues. And, you know, I, it, it's so hard. You, you know, you just asked me about the Dallas Stars and Brian Blessing said he couldn't figure it out. I mean, this is the team that we're all covering here in Las Vegas, and we can't figure it out from week to week. It's a dichotomy. Like, you know, one week, I mean, they're, they're going to Dallas and winning on Thanksgiving. You know, they're dominating this team. They're dominating this team. And then they lay an egg against other teams. And, and so it's very frustrating when you're trying to analyze and figure out because there are some guys that are getting the job done. There are some there are some schemes and the schematics of things. We talked about slow starts earlier. You know, they're definitely going to have their hands full. I will say this. I wouldn't be shocked if they give Kansas City a run for their money in this game because it's a division rivalry. It's a place that they've won. Derek Carr said today that he loves to play at Arrowhead. I mean, this is one of those games where you look up and go, how did they win in Kansas City, but they couldn't win at home? You know, so that's that's where we're at with this scene. So I, 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 at a pure value and what we've seen, I would take the yes just to have that ticket. Number one. The Rich Basaccia comment about results-based thinking. No surprise, our buddy Adam Hill was all over it yesterday. He loved it. Said it was probably misplaced. I know most others are reacting to it like, yeah, that's the way the NFL is. 
you know, this isn't a long-haul deal. Uh, I saw a good headline on one of the blogs out there. Rich Passaccia just win, maybe? Yeah, a little different than the the motto. Where are you on this? And are you already starting to think about stories you're going to be writing about a candidate list for the next head coach? I've already thought of some names. I, I don't think the Rich Passaccia – I think he, he, he'll – probably get an interview but at this point even if they we've had this talk if you know it, it's going to take an, a miraculous run and even now you know there's so you're we're questioning so much of what's going on in the booth in the headphones on the sidelines that I just don't know how long this staff can last I've said it time and time again I think Gus Bradley is the one guy that's done his job this season whereas you know there's the, the last year, the offense was doing its job, and the defense let that team down in three critical games late in the game. Okay, Gus Bradley comes in, and now the defense is playing well. You've got two of the top edge rushers. You've got some veteran guys on that unit, and yeah, I have what you what I feel is to be one of the top defensive coordinators that's that's gotten the job done because of the turnaround we've seen with this unit. Um, so other than that. I think you have to clean house, or I think that's that's at least what Mark Davis is thinking. Unless you see some kind of miraculous run, which then even then, I think Basaccia gets an interview. But I think you have to start looking at your. I think he's already started accumulating the candidates. I don't want to hear about. So give that me your story. list. Give me your list. The top of my list, which you and I talked about the other night off the air, is Jim Harbaugh. I think I don't think he's. When I say that, I don't mean that. He's a top candidate, and he's he's coming. What I mean is that's your number one target that I think you have to go off of. And I'm going to say college coaches because you cannot really discuss NFL coaches right now because we don't know how the season's going to shake out. If there's a guy that's available now, that means that he probably got fired, and he's probably not worth a damn. So I think at the top of the list, you, got, you make a run at Jim Harbaugh. The second one is I'm hearing more and more about yesterday's college hall of fame dinner and the little schmoozing section session that was going on last night Dabo Sweeney was being courted a little bit some hotel execs some big time people talking to him um came in town early so I just wonder if the Vegas power brokers were starting to sink their claws into him last night um but I got a name for you I'm going to throw a name at you, Steve, because I, I don't think he's done coaching. How about Gary Patterson? 21 years at TCU, right? AP Coach of the Year, won some conference championships. I mean, would you would you scoff at the notion that he's worth taking a run at? If, if, if you can't get a guy like Harbaugh, you can't get a guy like Sweeney, and who knows what shakes out in the NFL, why not? Would Gary I scoff? Yes. Why? Uh, I'm not completely enthused at his age that he wants to coach in the National Football League, may be better off as a defensive position coach, and I don't think that's the kind of guy Mark Davis is going to shoot for, is the former coach of, of TCU. Just, just my gut feeling. But, you know, I, hey, I threw out Mike Zimmer yesterday and the day before to you and Adam, and you guys both trashed me on that. So, hey, we're, gonna, you know, we're all going to have different people that we like. So, my, uh, you have any other names? No. 
my latest list, yeah. uh, and this is a list that I, you know, I put together when Gruden went bye-bye, the beginning of it, uh, but I think these guys would all be under consideration. Anthony Lynn, Chris Richard, Mike Zimmer, Todd Bowles, Joe Brady, Byron Leftwich, Gerard Mayo, Eric Bieniemy, D'Amico Ryans. I think you at least reach out to intermediaries and see what's going on with the Steelers and their future at quarterback and inquire about Mike Tomlin at a minimum, at least screw over the, the Steelers to actually pay Mike Tomlin uh, yep. top dollar. And, um, and I would also, because this college coach actually has been rumored as a guy who could be uh, potentially an NFL coach, I would also kick the tires on Mel Tucker. So I would you not. I give you I about ten say, names. I will say this. I would not. I would definitely be on board for Mike Tomlin. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would he's, he's one of my favorite coaches of all time, and, and at, I, I mean, I love what? Mike Tomlin. At a minimum, and I have no idea if the Roonies are some of the old money families in the NFL that keep busting Mark Davis's chops behind the scenes, because I truly believe that there are certain old school families, going back to Al Davis, who every once in a while with Goodell, they're like, I mean, let's, let's, let's put the screws to the Raiders here and there, right? Yeah, let's yeah. give Crocky L.A. How do you like that, Al? How do you like that, Mark? I have no idea if the Roonies are one of those families that are, that are behind it, but uh, but I think it. I think this is all part of the game. I, I, I think colleges should be doing this. I think it's all part of the game uh, in the National Football League. Hey, you know what? Make a call. Uh, put some pressure on the organization to make sure they keep a guy like Mike Tomlin. I think it would be awesome. And uh, and hey, what's the worst they can? What's the worst Mike Tomlin can do? So well, you, know, you, know, you got you to you make these calls. You got to reach out. I do. I definitely think that. I don't think that the Steelers are ever going to get rid of him until he's ready yeah. to go because I think you and I both, we come from the same era. We've known three coaches in that from that. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tom. That's just something that they're very loyal to their coaches. So they're not going to just – he's not going anywhere unless he's ready to go. So it's on, this is on him. And so if the Raiders are going to court him, He's going to take it serious. He's either going to take it serious or he's going to. It's going to be a flat out now. The same way we saw. That's why I didn't think that that press conference he held when someone asked him about leaving for college for a call. For, what was it for USC? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I bought into. I was one hundred percent believed everything he was saying because that's just not. You know, when you're you're near the coach of the Steelers, you're locked in. Now, with the situation and what it is, and the Raiders, and it's in Las Vegas, and the facilities, and. You know, so he's either going to flat out say no or he's interested. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. They have a lot of eye candy in their offense. They uh, they do a great job. You know, Andy Reid, he's, he's one of the best in the game. So he's always trying to mess up your rules, but... You know, Coach Marinelli preaches it all the time. It's about our keys, keeping your eyes where they're supposed to be, not looking in the backfield, just playing fast, reading your keys and getting off the ball. Um, all those things come into play. So we just got to, you know, do our job one at a time. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Love it, love it, love it. Eye candy, Max Crosby. Uh, I candy last night on TV. Willie, we're going to talk to Dan Duva here in like five minutes. Play-by-play voice on radio side for the Golden Knights. What was going on with uh, Facts of Life and Different Strokes? They did the reboot. Where was uh, the, the uh, uh, Norman Lear, of course. We saw it before, about a year or so ago. But we did, uh, they did uh, Facts All of the Life. Family. 
Yeah, yeah, that oh, was I'm couple, sorry. That was I thought you were referencing old, old, old reboots, but yeah, the new reboots. Reboot. Yep, but the new reboots are the Facts of Life and Different Strokes live uh, in front of a studio audience. So, you know, when it pulls back for each commercial, they show the set and everything. Facts of Life was cool. I remember both episodes because I watched those as growing up. But the Different Strokes reboot was hilarious. And everyone was in love with Kevin Hart's. Uh, portrayal of Arnold, Gary Cole, the late Gary Coleman, but and he did it great, you know, because it's Kevin Hart. They, but, they had Kevin Hart, a short, grown, fifty-year-old playing Gary Coleman, right? Wow. Playing okay. Arnold, playing, but Damon Wayans nailed it because if you remember Todd Bridges, who's it, it, it's kind of sad he was the he's the lone living of the main cast, yeah. so he came out, introduced it, introduced the show. Damon Wayans played it so great because the enunciation, the way that Todd Bridges would lower his voice and Mr. Drummond and then get and then get angry at the highs and the lows and the enunciation and the breathing, everything was spot on. And it was an episode where he has to take pictures for a project and in the show he says, "Oh, Vernon's coming over," and then the and then the kid comes into the to to the bedroom, it shows up and Arnold's acting like a superhero. Well, the guest superstar, the guest star last night that played Vernon was Snoop Dogg. So he walked in, and of course the live crowd lost it. But it was tremendous. I I really liked the way that they did the different strokes. The best was at the end because the, the whole show, Arnold and Willis are at each other's throats. They split the room in half. They hold the clothesline. They they split it in half, and they you know, uh, but at the end they make up. And they have bunk beds, and Arnold climbs down. And it was funny because Kevin Hart struggles like he's getting down off top of him. He climbs in bed, and he goes, Willis? He goes, yes, Arnold. He goes, why does Vernon always smell like weed? <laughs> it was just, <laughs> you know that wasn't the line in the show 20, 30 years ago, but Snoop, the whole thing. So it was just, well, everybody lost it. You know, the live audience because you hear them. So anyway, it was, it was, it was well done. I enjoyed it. All right, it. I got to watch it. I got to watch it, and on Friday, I promise, we'll come back with uh, 25 minutes on Cofield and Company on the new Mrs. Garrett. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Trying to make a pass in front, Tanev blocks it. Another pass, Wash shoots, he scores! Vegas takes a 2-0 lead. Nicholas Watt, set up by Shea Theodore. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on location. Live on locations, Mandalay Bay. Plural. I mean, we're breaking ground here. Yeah. T-Mobile, Willie's over there. It's Cofield here at Mandalay Bay. Dan Duva, we just heard him. It's the radio magic. I can see him on my little video screen. What's up, Dan? How are you? I thought you were bringing me on to talk about the reboot of Murder, She Wrote, starring Angela Lansbury at age 97, but I guess that'll be another conversation. <laughs> right? The, uh, Angela's like, no, I'm going to play the role. I mean, there's no reboot. You know, I don't need someone else. That's to right. Play. No, Come I'm on, going no. back at it. Either that or they'll have Betty White play her. <laughs> Good point. I think, actually, Betty has a uh, birthday number 100 coming up, like, in the next week or so. Wow. So, a big Betty White stand. Yeah, we could do a Golden Girls reboot while we're at it, too. Oh, my God. that They have to do that. She's the oh, only boy. one left, I'm sure, right? Oh, boy. All right, Willie, let's get into what's going on. Let's set the scene at T-Mobile and uh, set it up here with Dan. So, yeah, we talked about a little bit ago. Dallas comes in on a nice win streak. Dan just pointed out they really haven't had that many road games going back to the middle of uh, November. They've only got a couple losses in that span, and but they're catching Vegas that's getting healthy at the right time. 
The other night we saw their top six finally in, in the mix. We, we heard William Carlson say that, you know, he, he, wasn't, he didn't know what to expect from his conditioning, his skating, how he was going to feel. What did you make from their – I, I was impressed with how they really sort of tightened up the neutral zone and didn't let Calgary get those, those – I always want to say running starts. I'm not sure how you say it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. those, those fast starts. To, to Ahead start of the play. From, yeah. Sure. It, it was uh, a couple things, Willie. And, and seriously, guys, it's great to be on with you. It's always a pleasure. And uh, uh, I think that there's a couple of things to look at the Golden Knights. Talk about William Carlson coming back. There's no doubt – his contributions to this team are, are well documented, not only because he scored the 43 goals, franchise leader and plus minus and all that. There's so many little things behind the play uh, that I think you saw those in his return. But he didn't really mark the score sheet. What was noticeable in trying to manage his minutes, he would go off a little bit before Marcia So and Smith, his regular line mates. And the guy who would come on would be Nicholas Watt. Nick was the guy who was with Marcia So and Smith. Uh, in Carlson's absence. In the clip that you just heard, Wah scoring, that was that exact situation. So Marcia So and Smith were still on the ice. Wah had come on. Theodore makes the pass. Wah finishes it off. So you've got sort of this synergy that, that's evolved because you've had so many guys play with other guys. Yeah. And now they're putting guys into the line. If that all sounds good, part of the, you know, herky-jerk start of all this, guys, was they were bringing all these guys back all at once. Mm. and it kind of had to feel some things out. It wasn't only that they beat Calgary the other day. They gave Calgary very little. It was one of the stronger defensive performances that the teams had this year. They are up to sixth in offense. Think about that. Last time Vegas played Dallas, end of October, the Knights were ranked 26th in goals per game. Now they're up to sixth. It's the goals against, I think, that can improve, and that was something that was strong against Calgary. Didn't give the Flames much at all. Well, and we've seen some inspired play from both goaltenders. Robin Leonard was in the other night. Um, and, you know, I've really enjoyed when he sort of opens up and he's out in front of his, you know, with his mental health. And, and we heard, we learned the other night that he was going to pull out of the Olympics. And I think that the more he talks about that, and he talked about that when we saw him at the NHL Awards, when he was still with the Islanders, and the more he talks about it and sort of wears it on his sleeve, I think it's helped him. And then with Boisaw, you just – you see him making the most of the opportunities when he's between the pipes. So it can only get better as you have, as you mentioned with William Carson, guys that are the back checking is, is, is fantastic. They're again, they're clogging that neutral zone. It's just, it's, it's all coming together. Um, and either goaltender tonight could really be a problem for Dallas because of how well they're playing in front of them. The situation that the Golden Knights have with goaltending is more typical of what you'd expect. There's a clear number one, not so much a battle for number one, which is what the Knights had experience with Fleury and Leonard at the same time. Leonard's clearly the number one guy. Brossois has to be the guy who comes off the bench and shows no signs of ring rust and has to be popular in the room. Because what can happen for a, a guy who's not popular with his teammates, all of a sudden you go in and you almost forget that the guy's on the team. And is a guy going to dive in front of a shot to block it if, you know, there's not quite that same chemistry uh, with the goalie? That, that's a big thing. Brian Burke's book that he published uh, last year he talked about, you know, the roles of right through every guy on a 20-man roster, you yeah. know, from top line left wing, fourth line right wing, very specific, and said those things about goaltending. I think Brian Burke knows a thing or two about that. So I think Brossois fits all of that. He's uh, a physical marvel. His arms are longer 
uh, than any goalies I've seen. So he has stepped in. He's been consistent, even though he hasn't started near as much as uh, as maybe I thought that he would. Uh, Leonard has been right there, top two or three in, in games played, minutes played, et cetera, et cetera. Trouble is, he's also right up there in goals allowed. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out here if there's a condensed schedule. You'd think that Brossois would play one of these next couple of games. They play back-to-back next week, New Jersey and New York. You figure Brossois would play one of those. But I, I think that they... They've been happy with Brossois, but the last uh, game that Leonard played and he gave up those six goals, uh, you know, I don't care how you slice it. It's never good. The goalie's not good when you give up six in a loss to the Ducks. So that that has to be a little bit concerning. And the Knights have not had a shutout win this year, so that's got to happen at some point too. Um, One of the things that always I always remember, and I don't know why these interviews stick out to me, one with Marc-Andre Fleury, one with Pierre-Edouard Belmar, neither one with the team now, but – in how they really that you talk about the roles in front of the goaltender, but a lot of times the goal when there's a lot of action and they can't seem to clear it, don't get in the way if you're not going to clearly block it or you're not sure. Let it let the <laughs> shot come through because Flurry wanted to see it and make the save and then clear it after the rebound rather than trying to step in front because if there's a deflection, a redirect, and it get or it gets through and you're not seeing what's happened. Is that do these two do our do um, Leonard and Brassois do they have that same mentality or is do are there do goal, different goaltenders have different tendencies in that aspect? Yeah, I, I think there's some general rules of thumb, and if you're a defender, it depends on you know is it a breakaway? Uh, every situation is a little bit different, I suppose, but but generally speaking, the goalie wants to be able to see the shot. Sometimes a, a, an opponent, a, an attacker, will get in the way, in, an intentional screen. Sometimes it will be an unintentional teammate screening out the shot. So in, in a perfect world, you're, you're blocking a shot out high. Rather than right around the crease, you're challenging the shooter at the point of origin. That's the ideal shot block scenario rather than the shot block right around the net. So that gives the goaltender more time to see it. So I'm not sure that too many goalies are going to say, I I want guys diving in front of me around my crease more than others. Uh, Just instinct takes over, I'm sure. It's more about positioning, challenging the shooters so that they don't get to that place. I think just with point of Calgary the other day, there were very few opportunities that Calgary had in and around the net. A lot of their shots came from the perimeter, and when they tried to get to the, the more dangerous areas, the Knights defensemen simply clogged up those areas. So th- that's, I think that's what a goalie would prefer, to face shots that are uh, lower, uh, lower risk. Um, and I think that's what has made the Golden Knights' defense strong in, in the last couple of games. Going really bad, even though they lost against Edmonton. Uh, that was a good game. The goals they gave up were all breakaways. Even in that game, the, even... You think about the chances that the teams had once they got into the offensive zone. They're, they did not create too many high off, too many high danger chances. Before we get to a prediction on this one, I want to talk a little bit off the ice on Jack Eichel. As this team is getting healthier, and this team we're seeing the top six now. Obviously, Eichel's a top six skater. I want to get your opinion on on where you think he fits in, what he's going to bring to this team, and what happens to one of the two centers, be it Stevenson, be it Carlson, and how you see it formulating. Obviously, we don't we can't read the mind of DeBoer, and you can't know anything until he starts skating with those guys. But where he best fits and what he's going to bring once he plays with this team. Yeah, the, the two schools of thought would be. Put your best players with each other, and that would mean Eichel goes between Pacioretty and Stone. Those would be the three best players on the team up front. 
That's one way to look at it. Another way would be to spread around the talent. And that might mean somebody who's not normally a third-line player becomes a third-line player. Look right now at the top six. Who is the most likely to be a third-line player? Well, Chandler Stevenson has only been a top-line guy for the last you know year or two. He was a fourth-line guy in Washington. But, you know, Smith, Carlson, and Marcia, so before they got to Vegas, were not top-six players. Maybe Smith was. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly what that will look like. Here's the other variable. What additional injuries or absences may occur between now and the time Eichel's ready to play. Then you roll in the salary cap side of things. The way it shakes out right now, they don't have enough room to activate Mm. him. It might require moving somebody else out, and I have no idea if that's necessarily true because they play all these cap games that are way over my head. But, uh, you know, if, if in fact they do need to move on from somebody, I have no idea who it might be, whether a forward or a defenseman. A salary cap does not distinguish between the positions. So I, I guess it's an interesting thing to wonder where Jack might fit in, but it's, uh, it, there's, it's we're, we're too far out to, to really settle in on something that I, I would feel confident making a prediction. But um, all things being equal, I've always been of the thought of you put your best players together. That's and that was the thought process I had is you put him up top. Chandler could move down because one of the biggest reasons is while they were missing a lot of those forwards, he was the one skating with everybody that yeah. Peter was having to play jigsaw puzzle with and mix and match with his forward. So I thought it made a lot of sense. You talk about if they have to move some people out, the two un- unrestricteds that are coming up is Riley Smith, Braden McNabb, the biggest names in terms of the salaries that they could clear up. So, you know, those are two guys that have been here since the beginning. Let's get back to tonight's game. How do you see this one shaking out? What is the biggest threat that Dallas poses? Because I mentioned earlier, in their wins, during this huge win streak, they've allowed two or less goals. Um, they've been getting some great uh, goaltending. Braden Holpe's on this team. Uh, fans will know, remember him from the Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup. Um, and they've been scoring goals as well. So how do you see this one shaking out? Interesting in that the Washington Capitals, with Braden Holtby as the goalie, never won here in the regular season. Their wins in this building only came in the Stanley Cup final. And, of course, handed the Golden Knights their first ever four-game losing streak. So uh, I, I don't know for sure that it's Holtby or Ottinger. It's not Hudobin. It's not Bishop. Uh, as far as we know, they've got a logjam of goaltenders. Bishop is working his way back from an injury from the bubble. He hasn't played since he played against the Golden Knights in 2020 bubble. So we'll see uh, as he gets ready for conditioning assignment. So probably Holtby or Ottinger today, but they do have three active goalies on the roster. Hudobin hasn't played in, in nearly a month. Here's a fun fact for you, Willie. I, I'm not sure that this will necessarily play out in today's game, but you look at Scoring from the blue line. The Knights have been one of the best, not only in points, but in goals. Knights have 16 goals from their six defensemen. The six in the lineup today. 16 goals. Dallas has six goals from only two of its defensemen. In other words, four out of their six defensemen haven't scored a goal. Their offense is coming from the top line. From Hintz, from Pavelski, from Robertson. Uh, That has been an impressive top line to watch. But uh, the, the Knights seem to me uh, more depth, more high-octane offensively. This could break that run for the Stars of giving up fewer than three goals. Quick quick prediction. Give me a final score. A fun one. That's a all I can one, give a you. A shootout. Okay. I can't, I can't give, <laughs> I can't give you more one. than that. A fun one. I predict Come on, that. Willie. You know the broadcasting rules. <laughs>
Uh, Dan Duva, we appreciate it. You can hear Dan's call on her sister station, 1340 and 98.9 FM. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. There he is. Dan Duva, he's coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas in just a little bit with the call of the game. Quick time out here, and uh, remember, Rebel Basketball is on ESPN 1100, 98.9. Check that, 100.9 FM. See, I can't keep track of our uh, 8 million stations. Uh, game's coming up a little after uh, 6 o'clock, actually 6.30, with running Rebel warm-up. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Willie, I think Duva would have stayed another five minutes if the game weren't right around the corner. Dude, he's awesome. To break down more different strokes or facts of life. I tell you what, I love sharing stories with Dan Duva. I've had dinners with him down in the media dining room before games, and some of his best stories come from when he was calling games up in Syracuse, his time up there, and just calling minor league. I mean, you talk about a guy who's got some stories, man. Dan Duva is one of the gems in, in, in broadcast media in the last five years that I have enjoyed covering Golden Knights hockey and then sharing stories with before games or just, you know, just talking with whatever. Just absolute gentlemen. And uh, it was I was actually getting a kick out of being able to interview him and have him. I don't I don't, don't think I've ever been on the air with Dan. Uh, other than, you know what, the first year with our late, great uh, ballpark, Frank, doing the playoff stuff, and then in between periods, you know, we talked to him real quick. But this this was cool. This was cool. I enjoyed that. I feel like an off-the-record conversation or maybe on-the-record convo, uh, we could talk about Goomba with him. <laughs> As a Northern Jersey Italian dude. Yeah, sure. Forget about it, huh? Paisan, forget I about it. Like, I feel like he would have something to say about oh, it. Oh, hey, cousin, huh? This guy. So you're going. Is that your New Jersey ease or your, your broken Italian American? This freaking guy over here, eh? This guy, I got Mateo on my left. I got hey, Susie's ready to come in the booth over here. I got the media's coming in. We got the stars. It's Hispanic Heritage Month in here. When are we going to do something with the Italians? You know talking what I'm saying? To, were you talking to Sharepa this week? I won't be talking to Sharepa this week. I I, I, uh, I messaged him a couple weeks ago. I think they've wrapped up Talking Sopranos. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, they've only got like 8 million episodes to get through, right? Yeah, no, they, they, they did it. They started in the middle of the pandemic to get, I think it was in April of 2020, and they and I think they just wrapped it up. Did they cover every single episode? Yeah, every single episode oh, they did in a row. I, I do. That, that is a high, highly recommended listening. i got to go back and, oh, it's fantastic. and listen to that. Yeah. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Before we get out of here, a couple of cool things going down. Did you want to mention what you thought was one of the greatest passes in the history of the NHL? Oh, my gosh. Did you guys see this pass? I did. Trevor's I did. Oh, so he he tosses what's called an. I mean, they're, they're essentially an alley oop. An alley oop, but it was a. Um, um, I'm having a, a brain freeze here, real quick. But the way that he, uh, lacro- like a, almost like a lacrosse style yeah. goal, he pulled yeah. pulls it up. Isn't there? And I want to say I should have messaged my good friend Dave Shane. I think there's something called like the Michigan. It comes from Michigan, like a Michigan, a Michigan goal or a Michigan something. And I can't think of it right now, off the top of my head. But so he's behind the net, pulls it up on his stick, drops it over the net, and then his teammates there and whacks it in. He waited patiently so it wouldn't be a high stick. 
and it was fantastic. If you have not seen this goal, you have to uh, you have to Google or check it out. It's all over Twitter, obviously. Um, I'll I'll put it up. With, I'll retweet it, but or we'll get it on the ESPN uh, timeline. But unbelievable, and I mean they're saying it's one of the best goals of the NHL of the NHL season. First of all, it is the best goal, but it might be one of the best instantaneous scores or or passes, assists in the history of sports. Just the this the way that he did it, it was fantastic. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Was it as impressive as the baseline jumper that I tweeted out on uh, video on uh, ESPN Las Vegas a little bit earlier? Well, the most impressive part of that was that you didn't collapse and fall over because yes. you you sort of, you know, you, you stumbled a little backwards. You know, it, it did remind me of when Adam Hill and I were the only media members to be at the uh, Vegas 16, which actually ended up being the That's Ocho, right. the legendary Vegas 16. Yeah, and 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 um, Adam got out there and he was shooting some jumpers, and I have video of that somewhere from my Snapchat. Like I saved it, I downloaded, it, and I have that video somewhere. So I'm gonna have to find it now and then put and compare the two shots. I think that we need to now set up a Cofield and Company shootout between you and Adam Hill. We'll have. Uh, We've already done that. We've we'll put, already did, we did a three point shootout. Uh, years ago with the old guy triathlon, and he crumbled because he walked in the gym, and he's like, oh, I don't like the conditions, the rules. He fell apart. I was not part of the company then. I don't want to okay. hear it. Well, if you're part so. of it, that's good. By the way, just so you know, Caleb Herring actually nailed it. The video I sent out was 1,000% not me. I'm not wearing shorts tonight to the game. It was actually Nick Murphy. You know, Nick oh. and I are both uh, kind of rotund builds, and I was trying to see how many people would buy it that it was – that it was me. It was actually Nick who was well, making the you, jumpers. Well, during breaks, you're telling me go find my video. So I figured I it was you. I was trying to fool you. All right. I was trying to fool you. All right, Willie, enjoy the game. Rebel basketball coming up here, pregame, in we about out. 35 minutes.